it's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. It's time for the best Buckeye podcast. By fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OH! I-O! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm Buckeye Bug. That man over there is the wild man, Chris Wilds. And you are you. And we're well, and we're so thankful to have you back in with us for another episode of the OHIO Podcast tonight. Paul Buckeye's in the house tonight. Larry Daniels says, hello, from East Central OHIO. And Donald Hoffer said he's glad to see us tonight. Chris called us gentlemen. That's awful nice of you, Donald. Greetings from the last frontier, he says. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, looky, looky, looky who's in the house tonight. Oh, there you go. Oh, and he's, you're sporting the hat. All right. Lenny Zabo, he said, nice hat. We always tell each other nice shirt, nice hat when we sport each other's uh clothing attire uh no bud light just right tonight lenny just drinking a little water my sugar levels are uh through the roof tonight so uh we're trying to uh cut back on any uh sugary substances uh tonight matt butcher's in the house it's i want to say it's like monday morning for him right now uh out there in uh, the land down under so Lenny says he's still awake in Florida. Well, hopefully we don't put you to sleep tonight, Lenny. Hopefully we don't, man. Looking forward to that big announcement. I think I have a feeling I know what it is, but uh, looking forward to that big announcement. And Lenny, I think Chris might be heading, he might be heading to Purdue with us. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. always a good time we get to hang out with Lenny. Matt says it's Monday morning, 10 a.m. in Australia. Isn't that something? He's already on the next day, huh? Oh, look at this. A friend of mine, my neighbor and uh, a friend from church, Carrie House says, hi, Carrie. Nice to have you in the house with us tonight. Hello to you as well. All right, guys, we've got some interesting topics. Oh, Dylan. (laughs) Dylan, my man. (laughs) Oh, this guy's hilarious. I hear Purdue is great. You know why he says that? I do. <laughs> yeah, Chris, why don't you why don't you inform our watchers and listeners on why Dylan Coon might think Purdue's great? Well, 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 he just happens to be uh, Big Banter's Purdue uh, podcast, uh, one of their hosts. Yeah, uh, you know, they they, uh, they got a great show going over there, and uh, they do. You know. D- Dylan, great guy. Love, love, can't wait to meet up, meet up with those guys over there either. So, yeah. So uh, when they're not playing with toy trains, they're watching Ohio podcasts, Ohio State podcasts. Dylan, love you, man. I can't wait to meet you, buddy. Uh, love your show. Um, absolutely <laughs> think you guys are great, man. Yeah, Lenny Zabo said he's out Maryland and Purdue. Lenny, uh, we'll talk. Let's uh, let's go to Purdue game with us. Chris and I are heading. Um, we might just have to snag you an extra ticket with us, buddy. That'd be a lot of fun. All right, guys, let's get into tonight's topics. Let's start off with number one, and that is this. Big Ten Media Days just happened over in Indianapolis, Indiana, a place we haven't been in a couple of years, Chris. place we need to get back to. So all the Michigan fans. knows that. Yeah. So all the Michigan fans taking pictures of their back-to-back banners, if they would have spanned just slightly more 
to the left, they might have seen back to back to back to back Big Ten championships by the Buckeyes. But you know, you're halfway there. We'll see if you we'll see if you can get another one this year. I, I have a feeling you're not. Um, but let's talk about Ryan Day and seeing and hearing what he had to say, Chris. Now, I I pulled a few things that I wanted to talk about. Feel free to jump in and talk about what you want to talk about. But the second question he got from the media was about the offensive line. I am glad that you and I aren't the only people with eyeballs to see what we saw during the spring game. There is definitely some concern about the offensive line in Columbus, Ohio, enough to even the Homer media had to speak to them as well about it. That being said, can I read you the quote that he gave? Because I thought it was incredibly interesting. Let me. All right. So let's go over here to the Big Ten transcripts from that day. And I'm going to click on Mr. Ryan Day because it was the second question that he was asked. And it was, <clears throat> I was just wondering, uh, no, how do you feel about your offensive line entering camp? Is it your biggest concern? How do you feel about that group, Ryan? That was the question asked. Ryan Day's response. In terms of guys going in conference games on the road, we did that a couple years ago against Minnesota. Last year, we're playing Notre Dame at home. This year, it's Indiana on the road. Your concern is guys who haven't played, guys that ha don't have the experience. So, Chris, he's talking about three offensive line positions. Yes. The right guard, or sorry, the right tackle, the left tackle, and the center position. Notice what he goes to next. The two guards have played, and the two tackles and the center haven't. Now I'm excited about some of our options there. Mm -hmm. Josh Fryer looks good. He cut weight. Looks good. Looks, looks, looks better in his jersey. Okay. Uh, he's doing better. We also added Josh Simmons, who prefers to be called Jimmy, Jimmy. by the way. <laughs> Okay. We'll go with it. Yep. We'll have to call him, We'll have to call him Jimmy Simmons. That's what, that's what he just said. Yeah. Now, notice what he goes to next. Unwarranted, unprompted. Unprompted. Luke Montgomery has been in the mix. Yep. Chris, he is a freshman. A freshman. The last time a freshman started on the offensive line, it was an emergency. It was Michael Jordan. Yeah. And that didn't go so well. No. And he was the first one, I believe, true freshman since Orlando Pace. That went great. That went really well. <laughs> I like Luke Montgomery. I yeah. think he's going to be a great offensive lineman. Mm -hmm. A little There's scary no, though to do as a freshman. No way he should be starting year one. No way. That, that's a very frightening thought to me. That tells me everything I need to know. It's not good. You know, he also mentioned uh, Tegra Shabola. Uh, you know, and Eric, a guy that we we talked about, you know, that we thought originally was going to be in that mix was Zinn Mikowski, and there was no even mention of him. He's third that string, dude. He's third string, yeah. He, he, I mean, uh, get 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 on your get on the transfer watch. Uh, yeah. Heading back home to Indiana, baby. I don't know. Maybe he'll go to Purdue. Dylan, maybe he might be you might be getting a little Zen Mikowski action. I don't know. Um let's say good, dude. No. When when we're passing up when we're passing up, where where is the talent? I mean, the we've got so much talent that was supposed to be on that offensive line. Have we just not coached it up? I mean it's, yeah. a, it's a developmental position. It is. It takes time. It does. You shouldn't be starting that position in a conference like the Big Ten. For a team like Ohio State, unless you are an Orlando Pace, a Corey Stringer, you shouldn't be starting until you're a junior. Yeah. I mean, I truly believe that. You need that that time to develop both physically and mentally to the college game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes on to say uh, that uh, Luke had a really good summer. He goes, we also added Vic Cutler. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. We have some good pieces there. I don't like the word good. Good is yeah. not good. It's not good great. enough. Exactly. What did what, our our opening? Urban. 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 What about Meyer. Average? 
We're not about average here, boys. No. Good is average. That's where this offseason has been important. But in August, it's going to be critical for them to build a chemistry and make sure they solidify themselves as starters. I think we have enough people there. We feel good. We can find that. But they have they have got to go do it. That's obviously something that we have to make sure we're focused on. Then he goes, this is a question about the offensive line. Notice where he goes next in his, in his comment. Then obviously the quarterback position. Those are probably the two biggest areas where we've got to make sure we're doing a great job. I, I wrote an article uh, on Fansided uh, a while ago. And I said the three things that keep Ryan Day up at night. Offensive line, quarterback were two of them. And he, yeah, he admits my article was right, essentially. Chris, I am scared to death that we go into Indiana. And I'm not worried that we're not going to win the game. But we we, dominate that game. If we, because Indiana strengths their defensive line. Yeah. Okay. If they expose us a little bit, I'm scared to death that South Bend is going to be a bad trip, dude. I'll tell you what, and, you know, I don't want to say it, but I'm going to be realistic here, Eric. If that offensive line doesn't come together, if we have to start a freshman on that offensive line because we don't have the pieces of the puzzle, to protect our quarterbacks. Given this conference, we could we could be lo- looking at a three-loss season. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, there there are hungry teams out there, teams that are really good who have been, you know, moving up that ladder. Uh, and obviously, I mean, I I I hate to quote the hairball, I do, but we all know. Like he said, like the nature boy said, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And right now, they are the man, whether we want to admit it or not. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have an offensive line that can stop that defense, it, it it's going to be uglier. It, it's just going to be ugly. So that that was what I what I came away with immediately. I don't think Ryan Day feels good about the offensive line. No, he doesn't. He doesn't doesn't sound confident. He didn't come off and rattle five names off to you right away and say, there's my guys. As long as they stay healthy, we're going to be just fine. Nothing like that. It was all about comp- competition. And then he brings up a freshman's name unwarranted, unprompted, and tells you he's looked really good. If he's looked really good, that means he's going to get a chance. He's going to get a chance. Now, now this I will say. Maybe he is just that much of of a phenom. But, I, you know, like you said, Orlando Pace was the last time that we saw a freshman come out and be successful starting be, on the offensive line. And be line. dominant as a freshman. Yeah. We've seen other freshmen at other positions be dominant. Well, sure. Off, offensive, offensive line, line no. is different. It's very, very different. To be a freshman in college and be dominant, that's <laughs> that's rare air, right? Yeah. All right, let's talk, let's talk about another question he got. Um, asked about Brian Hartline and calling plays. Guys, I'm telling you, it, you're going to have to almost tear he, that away from his hands. He admitted as much. He admitted yeah. as much. He said, basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, but once the, the season gets started, he's going to have to force himself to give some of that up. Yeah. <laughs> um, some of the other questions in, in, the, in the, uh, the initial meeting – you know, go. You can go read them, find them yourself. But I want to talk about oh, what you want to talk it? about. Dog. Yep, 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 yep. We're a, we're an Ohio State podcast. All right, guys. Chris, do you have extra insulin, Chris? Oh, it's not the insulin I'm going to need. I'm my blood pressure is what's going to shoot through the roof. All right, guys. Let me know in the comments section below. Ryan Day was asked if uh, if the Big Ten should consider moving the game from the end of the season to another portion on this part of the schedule so that they don't play each other back-to-back 
And his response was, yeah, they should consider it. And collectively, Buckeye Nation about lost their ever-loving minds. Here's the problem I have with that answer. He's being very open and honest about it. Did you notice when all the Michigan players and even Jimmy Hairball was asked the same question, what they all said? We don't care when we play them. Yeah. That's the answer I want. As a Buckeye fan, that should be our attitude. We'll play them 12 weeks in a row. It don't matter to us. We want to beat them 12 times. This is so pansy. I It just, and I understand why he wants to do it. Because as a, as a schemer, as a play caller, it gives you more time to adjust to what they did the first time. As opposed, and, and I know it's hard to beat a really good team back to back. But where is your where is your your grit? Where is your competitive spirit? They've got more of it in Ann Arbor right now than we do in Columbus. Given that answer, Chris, go for it. This is one of my. This further kind of puts it in my mind that Ryan Day may not be the guy for us. I understand he's had this great success. Uh, you know, I, I understand he went 45 and 6, something to that effect, correct? Uh, you know, but the fact is he doesn't win the big games. He is Cooper 2.0 right now. And now, now he wants to go and trash tradition. He doesn't understand that, that he doesn't understand the importance of the game. He doesn't understand the importance of the rivalry. And he can say he does all he wants. He does not. Like you said, Eric, he should be out there saying, hell yes, I want to face them three weeks in a row and shove it down their throat three weeks in a row. He's not saying that. It's a lack of confidence. It's a lack of, of I think, knowledge of the the rivalry, the, the significance of this game. And it's a lack flat out of testicular fortitude he just needs to i'm sorry this this had me just more further think that he doesn't he can be a great x's and o's coach i'm not going to deny that he can be but i don't feel like somebody who doesn't grasp the concept of the importance of this rivalry I just don't feel how he's the right guy to lead this team. Hard to disagree with you on that, man. I've been a big supporter and backer of Ryan Day through these two losses. More so than you. But that answer was just milk toast, brother. Whether he was peddling to the to the press. Whether he was pe- peddling to the, the conference, I don't know. I really don't. But he needs to grow a sack and say, I'm going to just go out there, and I don't care when you put them on my schedule. Or, or not that. Let me rephrase. I don't care what you want to do with your schedule. That last game of the regular season is my game to go out there and kick his butt all over the field. And if you want to give him to me two more weeks in a row, great. More fun. Ryan's never going to see this. I understand that. I understand that. God, I wish you would. I really wish you would. If he ever were to, if I were ever say anything to Ryan Day, I would say to him, if you don't start eating, sleeping, breathing, dreaming about beating him, then you can forget a national championship, you can forget Georgia, you can forget Clemson, you can forget Alabama. Right now, your concentration better be on them. And we 
we're so lucky to be able to have those moments to go to the college football playoff. Even despite losing to him last year, we still had an opportunity to go win a national championship. And I know we were one bad targeting play away from winning it, but it would, even if we would have won and we would have rubbed it in Sean and every other uh, Michigan fans face. They still can hang it over our head. If they beat Bingo. We're, you know it what? still feels empty. And, and you know what even, even has me a little more upset about this is the fact that, like I say, I really don't feel he gets it. And where is Brian Hartline and where are Tim Walton in this shoving it into his head that he's got to get this straight? I'm sure that there is a dynamic of a hierarchy over there in the Woody Hayes facility to where you don't just walk into your head coaches or your boss's office I'm, and be I'm like, sure there is a hierarchy, Eric. I'm sure you're 100% right. But you know what? Maybe they ought to just, you know. The I, fact I, that Gene Smith comes out like a day later and says, that, we, yeah. need to fl- we need to flip the script. No kidding. You think, like, wait, wait a minute. This is the same guy who, it was running his mouth because we were all complaining about one game a few months ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. See, right there is the problem. It, you know, yes, Ryan Day is part of the problem, but Gene Smith doesn't put enough emphasis a, on it. So, the same guy who wants yeah. us to go go play the first round if we get a home field advantage in the CFP next year to go play at Indianapolis because it's a dome. Yeah. You earned home field advantage. Use it. Yeah, absolutely. Please, please bring me an SEC team to Columbus, Ohio. In December. In December. That's right. Oh, my gosh. It's just – I. it's almost like they have blinders on and they don't uh, see the bigger picture around I, them. I, I'm, I'm going to quote uh, the coach from Varsity Blues here. They're the dumb, damn dumbest smart people I've ever met. <laughs> hey, Moxley. <laughs> uh, all right, now that we've got your blood pressure through the roof, let's go talk about that team up north, shall we? Sure, why not? Yeah, let's just let's talk about Jimmy Boy. Woo! Or, or as I like to call him, the Jim Hamburglar. Uh, <laughs> so it comes out right before Big Ten Media Days, Chris, that the – he has he he has negotiated a four four game self suspension with the NCAA for lying to the NCAA about buying a recruit a hamburger or cheeseburger whatever and it happens to be the first four games of the season which are pretty much against high school teams yeah. I, I, you know, I need a gig like that where I can just do whatever the hell I want and just say, you know what? I'm going to negotiate my own punishment. Eric, is that going to work for you at work? Uh, I, I, I'm just curious. No. no. Um, I'm pretty sure that uh, I would get thrown out on my backside. I tried stunt like that. You know, I. it just goes further to show that the NCAA is the joke that Harbaugh made it out to be. It really does. The fact that they're letting him negotiate his punishment, which, like you said, you know, are against four teams that, you know, basically a good high school team can beat. We put them up against uh, Cincinnati, uh, Muller, or, or Cleveland St. Ignatius, and they're going to take down those teams, <laughs> you know. And then I hear the press talking about, oh, well, you know, this is just going to further help this team bond because, you know. Oh, yeah, the Michigan media spin. Oh, yeah. Well, not just the Michigan media. The national media is doing it. I heard a CBS reporter going on about this, about how that's going to help them, through, you know, the, overcoming the, them being without Harbaugh. And, no, no. It's the only – I can't believe it. I will say this. Harbaugh, for once, actually did something half right in the way he went in and addressed it. He just says, oh, you know what? I can't talk about it. Yeah, I was actually getting getting ready to pull that up. Um, you know, that's probably the first and only time that he's something that came out of his mouth made any sense. 
Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah. So this literally, this is his statement, as you probably already know. And of course, I'm reading it much better than what he's <laughs> how he spoke it. Yeah. I'm not allowed to talk about any aspect of that ongoing situation. I'm with you. I would love to lay it all out there. Nothing. I have nothing to be ashamed of. But now is not that time. That's about all there is to say about that. And he, that was it. He has nothing to be ashamed of, except for the fact that he lied to the NCAA. Which, but, again, again, you know. All right, hold on. Let, let me give you my rant. Okay. If I'm Jim Harbaugh and I'm Michigan, I refuse I refuse to do anything. What's the, yeah. what, what is the what, NCAA? What, Who is the NCAA? Yeah. What, what? And by what means and grounds do they have to tell anybody that they have to do anything? They're they have court, Eric. They have lost all ability to go into any place. We literally have football teams tampering with quarterbacks in the Big Ten. Yeah, saying come to our school, we'll pay you millions, and he's not even in the transfer portal. And what's the NCAA do? Yeah, that's a violation in the NFL where it's actually, you know, nothing. A paid, a paid league, you know? Nothing. But they go in. Well, that's to Ann they don't upset the SEC, you know. They go into Ann Arbor, find out that Jimmy bought a hamburger for a recruit, and say, Did you do that? Uh, no. Well, we have the receipts. You're in trouble, Mr. Oh, gee, I guess you can take me off the sideline when we play Little Sisters of the Poor for four straight weeks. Yeah. This is a joke, man. This whole thing is a dog and pony show. It is. And here's the thing. Jim Tressel was fired for the exact same thing, lying yeah. to the NCAA, which yeah. you and I both know it was because he was covering up for the AD. Yes. Absolutely. He fell on the sword for him. Well, you can't compare, you know, Jim Harbaugh to Jim Truss. I mean, Harbaugh has no honor. It's not even <laughs> close. It's not even close. So as a, as an Ohio State fan, yeah, we kind of irritated about it because our, our beloved Jimmy but you're got right. fired it for a joke. it. It's it a, joke. a joke. The NCAA in general is a joke. It has been for the last 10, probably the last 20 years they've been a joke. At least. We, I, I just can't with them. <laughs> I will give I will give Jimmy Boy credit for this quote though. Let's I'm gonna I'm gonna read it to you. Uh here's what he said about Ryan Day. Yeah. Here's the question. Ryan Day yesterday said he thinks there should be by the way, it was eleven warriors that asked this question. So um I think Dan Hope uh had some stones asking this question. Ryan Day yesterday said he thinks there should be a conversation of playing the Ohio State-Michigan game earlier in the year. What's your opinion on that? Here's what Jimmy Boy said. We'll play that whenever it's scheduled to be played. We know we're going to play it every season at least once. I don't have a particular opinion of when it should be played. Right now it's played at the last game of the, of the season. I think everybody's used to that. It's part of Thanksgiving tradition now, so that's when we'll expect it. You, you know, he, he painted a little bit to the to, to the powers that be, like I said, the media, the Big Ten, I don't know. But he came out, he had the stones to say, you know what, I don't care, bring it on. Larry's saying it for me. When your rival's coach, who is a moron. A complete idiot, no doubt. Woo! He can't even woo, Eric. Makes more sense and has more of a backbone yes. than your current head coach. Yeah, I'm pretty upset about it, Ryan. And when you're saying more of a backbone, remember this is the guy who dodged us in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I understand winning a couple games kind of gives you a little bit more gravitas, uh, gives you a little bit more of a but he's backbone. Earned it. He's earned it. We can't, I mean, yes, we may hate that team up north, 
But as Ohio State fans, we cannot deny that he's earned it. All right, here I'm going to end it with here. I'm going to end it. I'm going to end this in this first half of the show with this saying this: It's do or die. You either win it or I'm I'm on the fire Ryan Day bus. I know you're already driving that thing pretty much, Chris, and I haven't gotten on that bus. But after after Big Ten media days, it, it's do or die this year. You need to win that game. I don't care if you lose to Wisconsin and and Penn State. And Notre Dame on the way on the way there, you Russ better win that. Carried away. You be, I don't uh, no. I if we go nine and three, but one of those wins is against them. Yes, sir. If we go nine and three, I'll personally buy his bus ticket out of town. Hey, that what if that what if that means Penn State wins it and not them? Okay, cool. But I'm just I'm just saying, right? That's that's where I'm at as a fan right now. He's got to win that game. He's got to. You know, I, I was you watching. Can't, you can't go zero and three like that. No, not and, not this way. Not not when the guy who went zero and five against Urban in your first game has dodged you, has been a thorn in your side in the media. Uh, making accusations about your program, and you go out there and say, "Let's hang a hundred on him," and he and he dodges you in, in 2020, and he's come back and he's beat your butt two years in a row and, and when now, you've got a you've got better or equal talent. And and now he's living rent free in Ryan Day's head. Make no mistake about I think it. Larry, I think Larry said that earlier, earlier in the uh, in the show. Uh, Donald Hoffer said, how did Ryan Day and Gene Smith go from being the most beloved people in college football world to now being the laughingstock of the conference? I don't know. I wouldn't call them the laughingstock of the conference. I mean, there's, I would say right now there's at least eight, nine other schools who would want our coach over theirs. Well, I would say probably everybody with the exception of maybe, uh, what the, the team up North who's delusional. Penn State, who's really, I mean, loves Franklin. And, and then what, maybe Wisconsin? Everybody yeah, else would take Ryan Day in a second. But you know what? The fact is, he's he's not getting the job done when it counts, Eric. Mm-hmm. Got to win it. Got to win it. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about what we saw from Media Days from the other schools um that were there represented as well there were other big 10 schools there believe it or not we're going to talk about them in just a second so hang tight everybody the ohio podcast is brought to you by mastermind mastermind specializes in 360 degree high definition mobile video mapping gis integration and traffic safety studies Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. All right, guys, here we go. So <clears throat> let's talk a little bit more about the Big Ten Media Day. So, Chris, most interesting things not involving Ohio State in Michigan that happened in the two days in Indianapolis from Big Ten Media Days. Now that we've thoroughly digested and vomited up basically what we saw from the two teams that seemed to matter but, the most. But you know what? We did leave out one thing. Possibly the guy who won Big Ten Media Days, and that was Cade Stover. Come on. The guy wants his NIL dollars paid to him in tractors. Give me a tractor. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. Yeah, that was yeah, that was great. That was that was sensational. All right, let's start. Let's start with um this. So some very interesting things that I saw. How about Wisconsin's brand new coach Luke Fickle? Yeah. Um, walks in with a nice little tan, smile, and a new big, big chunky paycheck, being the head man over there in Madison, Wisconsin. Talks about what it means to be there and the place that he played in and when he was at Ohio State and coached against when he was at Ohio State. Says, you know, I'm I'm glad to be back in the Big Ten. This is where I belong. And following his opening statements, he gets asked four questions by the media. All four questions. 
came from Columbus, Ohio, Ohio State Media. Uh, Madison, uh, Wisconsin, media members, where you at? (laughs) You got a brand new head coach, his first Big Ten media days, and every question's coming from Ohio State Media. And a great head coach at that, Eric. Yeah, that's yeah. I I don't know. I don't get it. Why? You know, you would have thought they would have been all over this guy. Uh, you know, hearing what he had to say, singing his praises. You know, getting the Wisconsin faithful pumped up for this guy, and it was crickets. <laughs> like, where are you? Where are you at, guys? Come on, man. I mean, even at Christmas, even. Someone from like Iowa or another yeah. school on the West who might be concerned about their rival have a question. Nope, all Ohio State guys. Well, the, the, the ones in the West are smart. They didn't want to say anything to piss them off. He was he was an all state wrestler. That's right. I was I was gonna ask the question. Would well, you know like which which Big Ten coach do you think would win in a fight? I don't think it's close. It's Luke Fickle. No, it's Fickle. It's and he and might, he, probably, might, he might be able to take two or three of them at one time. Yeah, and then maybe Tuck. Yeah. Mel, maybe Mel, Mel Tucker, Mel, if he Mel gets Tucker. mad enough. I think so. He big dude. By the way, Mel Tucker, best dressed. Easily. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that dark green pinstripe suit. That He's thing sharp. looked good. That was a sharp That was a sharp suit, buddy. Mel Tucker won best dressed. Uh, out of the new coaches, who do you think did the best? Who did you like the most? Or, I mean, it's it, easy it, to go to Luke it, Fickle as a Buckeye easy fan. To go to Fickle, but, you know, I really like. Uh, Matt Rule from Nebraska as well. Did you? I really did. I thought, first of all, it, it, much nicer than seeing grumpy old Scott Frost in there, isn't it? Yeah, he's, he's one I mean, foot he's out not, the door Matt, already. Matt Rule's charismatic, and you know, he. I, I thought that he he did okay. Uh, for me, it probably was fickle, but you know, let's face it, Eric. Maybe it's Ohio State fans and and people who are fans of Luke Fickle in general. We're going to have that little bit of bias. So after that, I would definitely say that it was Rule. Oh, I hope not, Larry. It may turn out that I, I fear that fish that got away. I fear that there's there's definitely some uh, Buckeye angst uh, in our hearts for that one. You're right. Um, all right, let's talk about this one, PJ Fleck. So, in case you haven't heard, after the Northwestern incident, a player from Minnesota has come forth saying that the culture inside of Minnesota oh. is cult like. That's toxic, and, there. and toxic. I loved PJ Fleck's answer. I do too. <laughs> he just he just went out there and he went on the attack basically with this. Yes. He faced it head on, which is exactly what he should have done. That was the approach to do. You know, you hear him go out there, he denies the allegations. He explains all these mechanisms that are in place to think somebody could have reported something if something was actually going on. And you know, for me. I, I walk away from that believing PJ Fleck. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. A story that ran yesterday. Uh, there was some allegations that you probably found troubling regarding your program made by some former players. There was a reference to a Fleck bank and Fleck coins that could be used in some cases. There's allegations of violating team rules with those Fleck coins. Could you kind of describe what a Fleck bank is? Those Fleck coins and maybe respond to some of the allegations made. And he literally. Took a deep breath, reared back, and he preached a sermon. Listen to this. First of all, the Fleck Bank, mostly used in 2017 and 18, was an analogy used in team meetings talking about the more you invest into a program, the better experience you're going to get out of it. As a head football coach, when you come in and you don't know anybody, the guys that do really good things are going to have a really good experience. If you're not doing all the right things, you're probably not going to have a great experience. So he just said, kid didn't have a great experience because he wasn't doing all the right things. There was no currency ever exchanged. There was no coins that ever existed. It was an analogy simply to explain investment for life, a life lesson of investment. Simply that. No one ever got out of any type of punishment for that. And just so everybody knows, in punishing our football team, that word punishing, in fact, our athletic department has taken over our disciplinary type actions. 
We do not use physical activity to discipline our players at the University of Minnesota, and we have never done that. See, so the allegation was you had to earn Fleck coins, and then if you got in trouble, you could cash them into the Fleck yeah. bank and get out of trouble of running more. Right. So this player obviously wasn't going to class or wasn't showing up on time or whatever and and is using this as his excuse. Our players do things like they wake up early and clean the weight room. Whatever you did, you watch a video on that. If you were late to class, you watch a video on tardiness. You write your professor a letter. Those are the disciplines we actually have within our program that our athletic department changed their policies and made sure that no physical activity of any sort of any sport could be used as punishment based on what we created as a football team. These allegations are baseless. We have full support of our athletic department, our athletic director, excuse me, Mark Coyle and our university leadership. This is a similar story that gets peddled every single year, and the majority of the players have been dismissed or removed from our football team. We have also we have also have around a half dozen anonymous reporting avenues within our football program that players can go to if they have an issue. Protection for all, EEOA office, mental health support, SAC, leadership council, and our athletic director, Mark Coyle, gives his cell phone number to every single football player to call him if they ever have any issues. To this date, there have been zero claims on this issue. Zero. Our program and culture is proven to work on and off the field, and it's always done on a first-class manner. We are one of the most transparent programs in the country. There are tons of testimonials from past, present, and even future gophers to support and prove that. My energy needs to be on the 2023 football team and that only and not on baseless allegations. So that's what the Fleck Bank was, was strictly an analogy. And with all the other things that were reported, we have explanations on that as well. Boom. End of story. Done. Media's left with their mouths open going, uh, and what you know did we what? It's do? now a dead issue. It really is. If you look at the press now, it's a dead issue. Bingo, uh, Frank. Frank sounds like sour grapes from exactly an ex-player. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And let me say this. You, I know we live in NIL now. We live in the world of NIL mm-hmm. and it's, it's what, what can I get? What can I get now? You got a free scholarship. I still have college loans I'm paying off and I'm 42 years old. I'm 50 and paying Eric. I'm with you. Quit whining. Holy smokes. What a, what a, what a whippy generation, dude. Yeah. They, they, and you know what? What? And yeah, we're not going to rehash the NIL argument, but I didn't see a whole hell of a lot wrong with the scholarship and stipend program we had before. I didn't either. You know, I would I would have liked to now, have gotten now, a scholarship. If I was an athlete, if I was an athlete and I was a player, especially a top tier, you know, I would have loved to have seen a little something extra. So but you didn't. Did program, you you showed up late, or you didn't go to class. You and didn't you hold got into the deal. You got disciplined by you, and you had to either run or clean up the weight room. Hey, listen, I had a detention one time. It made me late, 15 minutes late to practice. You know what my coach made me do when I was a sophomore? Run. I ran, I ran 15 burpees. Oh, yeah. yeah. Welcome to the nineties, punk. <laughs> yeah, Dude. Well, you know, Eric, we, we grew up in a generation where the coach grabbed you by the face mask and drug you around the field. Yeah. Smacked you on the helmet till they rung your bell. You know, they think they get concussions playing on the field. Some of them coaches, man, they would slap you on the helmet so hard they gave you a concussion. Do you remember the story about that the old timer at the Iowa tailgate? About when he's kicking the oh in the backside. He goes, all right. So he says, I go, man. He goes, I was I was a student when Woody Hayes was coach, and I used to live in the tower by the field and he goes we used to call him an a ss kicker 
I go, really? And he goes, oh, yeah. And he mentions a player's name who he literally got down in a squat and Woody kicked him up the backside and lifted him up off the ground. That's how he got the nickname. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying we need to go around kicking people on the backside, although Urban might argue that a kicker needs a good kick every now and then. Yes. Just just to see what it feels like. <laughs> but, but what I am saying is this. Quit being so soft. Well, if you can forget that argument, Eric. We grew. We we are now in an era of of whiny prima donnas. This has become pro football, except ninety percent of these kids aren't men yet; they're still boys. That's a pretty good analogy. You know, that's a pretty good analogy. Those were some interesting things oh. I saw. Did you did you see anything you want to talk about, Chris? You touched on a few of them. Um, obviously, right. Minnesota was one of the big ones. But, hey, how about the fact that uh, Maryland, looking confident this year, sounding confident. You know, look out for the Terrapins. Michael Oxley come out, and he has said that his team is is ready to compete for a title. In fact, he said, our program is at a point, finally, where we can say we're here to compete for the Big Ten Championship. Do you think he really believes that, or was that more of a recruiting pitch? I believe he thinks that that's actually the point where they're at. And you know what? He's got a quarterback who was offered a million reasons to leave this conference. Yeah. And he stayed there. That's got to give him even a little bit more of a of an ego boost there. Yeah, you're right. And, and then the other thing for me, and I'll tell you, is the, the Big Ten media days, which typically revolve around football, didn't have a whole heck of a lot to do with football this year, Eric. I mean, we had, that the, way. we had the Harbaugh suspension with the Northwestern debacle. You got the Accu, which, by the way, is getting worse day by day. And we've now got uh, a uh, legal issue filed against one of the assistant coaches. Who's still, uh, still with the program. Who's still with the program. We have accusations by the former Minnesota players. We've got gambling issues in Iowa, Eric. <laughs> what, are you, what are you gambling with in Iowa? Corn? Corn. But, uh, yeah, we've got Sorry. gambling issues in Iowa. Uh, you know, right in the midst of all this, we had the Colorado announcement come out, which isn't even related to the Big Ten, but by gosh, we pushed it. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Last but not least, I don't know if you know, you, you've watched quite a few Big Ten media days, have you not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It seemed like there was maybe just a little bit more press there this time. A little more national press there this time. I think that new Big Ten media deal had a, had a little more attention on these. What things I well. okay, what I wouldn't say national press, but what I did notice was or more CBS, national affiliates. Yes, CBS, Fox, and NBC all had their major voices there. In fact, Joel and, was right out there, and I loved it. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit back and watch Big Ten I'm, football from when I wake up to when I go to sleep and, on and Saturdays. And I'm gonna tell you, Eric, mark my words, this is just the first step. Within the next 10 years, the Big Ten is the premier conference in sports based upon their network reach. Let's talk about it, all right? Let's talk about it. Colorado made the announcement this week after their Pac-12 media takes. (laughs) We out of (laughs) here. Going back home to the Big 12. Big 12 is cleaning up right now. They're, the, the, the Big 12 is becoming a conference, Eric. It's becoming a conference again. Uh, obviously still missing their Big 2 in Texas and Oklahoma, but, and I'm not saying Colorado's coming in with um, a lot of um, power behind them. But they're coming in with program, a lot of, yeah. But they've got Prime. Coach Prime is their man. And so eyeballs are going to be on television sets wherever he's at. And so Big 12 makes that move. So my question is this, and I want to, uh, in the comments section, give me your predictions. Uh, Who's next? What's the next domino to fall? So right now there are rumors all over the place, Chris, about who's coming, who's going, what's happening. I've got some thoughts. All right. So. I'm going to hear your thoughts first, but I, I think, let me say this. I think the next domino to fall 
is Utah to the Big 12. 12. Yes. And I'm telling you right now, Eric, bury the Pac-10. It's over. It's completely over. We have the, USC the, and The UCLA. Pac what? The Pac what? Uh, Pac-12. Pac-12. No. No, Pac-9. Pac-9. They're going to be about Pac-6 here shortly, I'm sure, and rapidly decreasing. Bury the Pac-12. We have UCLA and USC. They're coming to the Big Ten already. You got Colorado going to the Big 12. I suspect, much like you, Utah is the next partner. That's going to be a preference for a couple reasons. Obviously, Utah is one of the premier programs left out there. And secondly, they've got a natural rivalry with BYU, who is already a member of the Pac-12. However, Eric, I think that you're also going to see a move made by the Arizona schools. I think the Arizona schools, both Arizona and Arizona State, are going to also, in the near future, move to the Big 12. I think these two schools, geographically, it makes a lot of sense for them to do this. I also predict that we are going to see a complete implosion of the conference um, revolving around these three aforementioned schools. And also, I think you're going to see Oregon and Stanford make announcements in the near future. I think you're going to see them move to the Big Ten Shortly, shortly followed thereafter by Washington and Cal. All four? I think you'll see four of them break off to the Big Ten, leaving two schools left out of the Pac-12. Washington State and Oregon State. And Oregon State. They go to the Mountain West. They step down because these are not typically prominent schools athletically. They'll have good seasons every now and then, but these – guys stepping down to the mid-major will make them dominant. Did you, did you see Oregon State come out with a statement that they will not be leaving the Pac-12? Pac Oregon <laughs> State, like, I'm sorry to break this. Good. You're going Nobody to wants to, you. <laughs> you're going to have to leave the Pac-12 because there is no Pac-12. Colorado just officially finished off what USC and UCLA started. But now so. it's either going to be, it's going to be Oregon definitely is coming to the Big Ten. It will either be with Stanford or Washington as a partner on this wave, and then I think you see Stanford and Cal also join the Big Ten in, in some form. Frank over from Fansided says, I've got Oregon to the Big Ten within the next few months. I agree. With, with Washington soon after. There was a, a Frank wrote a, a great article. I should, uh, if you haven't read it yet, go over to uh, fansided on the scarletandgame.com uh, website, Ohio State's uh, affiliate for fansided, and read his article. It's got a picture of Brutus and, uh, and the, the duck, duck from Oregon yeah, kind of with that. their arms around each other. And Ohio State's account posted that picture like yeah. two days before Colorado announced. And whether they know something or don't know something, if timing. nothing else, it was great because of the timing. To get people talking. Uh, yeah. Donald Hoffer says, how messed up would it be if Notre Dame burns the Big Ten and goes to the Big 12? Also, it makes sense. They're from not the going to the Big 12. No way. It also makes uh, sense from the standpoint with the automatic bid for the champion of the Big 12 in the CFP. Okay. But I if they're going to but... If they're going to do that, they're going to go to the ACC where they already have. Correct. Um, they already have partial financial. Right, they've got a partial partners. partnership already. Yeah. Um, okay, here's the rumor I've heard. Oregon and Washington have been rumored to be flirting with the Big Ten for a while now. I know Not a for year, right? yeah, I know for a fact that um, they both athletic directors called um, Kevin Warren before he stepped down to ask him if there would be interest on their parts to have them enter the big 10 as well. There has never been a report that Kevin Warren told them. No, the current uh, commissioner, uh, Mark Patetti. Yep. Said in big 10 media days that we are not currently exploring expansion at this time. That literally could have met that day. That, that and then moment, tomorrow yes. it all changes, right? Yeah. But there is a belief 
that the Big Ten schools, now 16 of them, come next year when UCLA and USC join, that all 16 will be sharing the revenue equally. And if they bring anybody else new in and they can't redo the contracts, then the new schools that come in will not receive the same financial benefit as the 16 next year. So that is the hang-up if there's going to be any hang-up. Now, if the television markets and uh, studios, NBC, Fox, and CBS decide they are willing to add more revenue to the contract in order to add an additional two teams or four to make that equal for the other 16, then the Big Ten will be willing to do so. Here's your crazy rumor for the day. The four teams that are jockeying for position to enter the Big Ten are Oregon, Washington, Florida State, and Clemson. Yes. I've heard all. I had not heard Clemson. Donald Hoffer makes a good point to back me up. The ACC has a terrible television deal that runs through like 2033 where their revenue is going to be so minute compared to the SEC and Big Ten schools that there is real concern on Florida State and Clemson's part that they will not be able to compete with the Big Ten and SEC schools because they just won't have the revenue that these schools will. Yeah. And so they are wanting to redo the ACC deal to where them, along with a handful of other schools, make more than the other ACC schools. And that's just not going to happen. There's only one way, one way the ACC gets their deal redone. And you know what that is, Eric. That's if Notre Dame would be willing to become a full-time member. And Notre Dame values their independence so much that as long as NBC to float them money that is in the same ballpark as what they would get if they were to join the Big Ten, they're going to stay independent. I, you know, NBC is part of our media deal now. I could see them pushing the deal NBC, to get Notre Dame into the Big Ten. NBC might actually force their hand. Yeah. And and don't and next year, the new athletic director at Notre Dame is a former NBC executive. Yeah. So if you follow the dots and you follow the money, and if there's a lot of Notre Dame fans who have basically said, that at some point, they're going to probably going to have to join a conference. Are, are, um, are with all this coming to fruition with the ACC? And the Pac-12, do you feel that we are within five years of the, of the two official super conferences? Yeah, uh, three. I, There'll be three with, super conferences. With the Big 12 possibly forming the third now? Yep. Um, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Clemson, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Washington, Oregon, Stanford to the Big Ten, says Rob. That's, that's too many. I don't. I think they're going to stay at four, make it 20. I could because see going to 24. Here's the thing about going to 20 is now you have two divisions of 10. And I think that makes sense to where you play the nine teams in your division every year, and then whoever comes out of your division then plays in the in the in the championship. So you have the East and West still, or however you want to do it. Um, it that still just makes more sense you, to me. You know what? You could conceivably go to a twenty-two team schedule though, or twenty-two team, or even a twenty-four. But I mean, you'd have eleven conference games if you did that. But yeah, although That's, that might be just what the TV people want. Might be. I mean, f- college football originally was regional. It was all about yeah. being regional. I for the I don't know why the college football playoff committee never came up with the idea of kind of what college baseball does. You pick four regions, you pick two teams from each region, and you play an eight-team tournament yeah. from the regions. So you have the North champion, the East, the South, and the West. 
and then those are your 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 four uh, teams in in CFP. It just makes perfect sense, but you know it's it's all about the Benjamins, anyways. Uh, Frank says the only thing I'll say uh, about the TV deal with the ACC is that ESPN is letting the ACC find some secondary TV partners. With the CW yeah. has picked up some afternoon games this year. True, this is true, and you and you can't also forget the streaming services. Yeah. If, what if Amazon decides they want to get in the game? Yeah. They've got some money. Yeah, They've got some money. I just, you know, it's it's just crazy to me what's happened over the course of the last couple of years with college football. It really is. Um, when we started this program five years ago, if you would tell me, hey, in, in five years you're going to be talking about Colorado leaving the Pac-12 who only has nine teams now, and USC and UCLA is going to be in the Big Ten, and, and Notre Dame might really end up being in a conference, and you're going to have a 12-playoff team tournament. I'm, I'm going to, I would have been like, you're, you're smoking crack, man. Yeah. And, play, yeah. and players are going to be getting paid in NIL, and there will be a one transfer. That was just five years ago when we started this podcast, and none, yeah, of, that none of that existed. Was... Yeah. None of it. It's 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 crazy, crazy, Eric. I mean it is. And you know, the next five years with like I said, with these conferences imploding, I'm with you. I think that this is we're on the verge of the three main super conferences. Um, Donald says, I've heard I have a hard time seeing the southern teams like Florida State, Clemson, them joining the Big Ten, especially geographically, logistically, and financially. It would make sense for them to go SEC. If I would the SEC agree. wanted them. I would agree with that comment if USC and UCLA weren't already the Big Ten. Right. How does that make geographical sense? I mean, literally. You, you, you know what, though? We, we, and, and we have been very critical of Kevin, Kevin Warren on this show, and rightfully so. Exactly. But, but he put the, the Big Ten is basically now having a Vince McMahon effect on – College football, football, we we really are, we are expanding at a national level, and we're putting the little, the little territories out of business now, Eric. You know. Well, you know, uh, I also here's the other thing too, Donald, about the SEC man is they're such a click, dude. They are. They are such a click. I I mean they they will become so picky and choosy, and at the end of the day. I think Georgia and Alabama and Florida, um, they kind of run the roost there. LSU, what they yeah. say kind of goes. And if they're like, mm, we don't like that team. Tennessee See, might get a vote. Maybe. Uh, maybe. I still think Tennessee's – they're – never – Well, that's they're a little fish podcast. in a big pond. That's another podcast. But here's the thing. Like, So – Oklahoma and Texas kind of had some old, what was it, big eight rivalries? Yes. Arkansas, LSU, AM. Uh, AM were all in there. And so that's kind of bringing back some of that old um, big eight conference rivalry. It made, it kind of made sense. Um, so I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I know Florida State makes sense because they kind of have a rivalry with Florida already. But who else do they have a rivalry with in the SEC? I can't think of one. They play Georgia quite a bit, don't no, no, Florida. I don't not think Florida, so. Not Florida State. Um, you got you got South Carolina and South Clemson. Carolina, yeah. But again, that's one in-state school rivalry. Um, I I don't know. Like it's just this is just this is nuts, man. Well, arguably, you could say Clemson has has had a rivalry with Alabama somewhat over the last decade because of yeah. their run-ins in the college football championship. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right, guys, that's our show for tonight. Uh, we will be having some guests uh, in the month of August. We're efforting that. We have a real special guest in a couple of weeks. So excited for you guys to get to meet her. Um, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag in case something – we're not to happen. She can't make it, but she's a very, very special guest. And I'm very honored that she would decide to come on our podcast and talk about one of the greatest coaches in Ohio state history, who she has a very close connection with. So that's my tease. And uh, we also have uh, one of the greatest um, accurate 
preseason predictors in the country signed up to come on the show. Runs the pick six um, preview. Is the most accurate preseason predictor six years running. Um, so we're going to pick his brain about college football and what he foresees happening this season. Put him to the test. We might get another Buckeye before the season starts. And then lo and behold, before we know it, it's going to be here, Chris. We'll be previewing the trip uh, to Bloomington, Indiana, and taking on the Hoosiers. And it's it's a mad dash for 13 weeks, baby. And I love it. I yeah. love it. Yeah, I can't wait. It's uh, you know, time for talking's over. It really is. I mean, we've got, what, a couple more of our preview shows left, and uh, we've got those wrapped up. Yeah. We've got some um, big things coming up with uh, some of our on-the-road stuff that we're going to be doing. So, yeah, um, I'm pumped for the season. We've got Nebraska and Minnesota this week on Tuesday and Thursday. you be on the lookout uh, for that one. Those will be coming your way. Uh, and then right after that, we are efforting Maryland and Wisconsin as well. So that'll be heading out your way as well. The big two. And then you got Penn State, Northwestern, and then Ohio State and that team up north. And we've got most of them lined up already uh, and that we will be presenting to you we, in the next three, we, four weeks. Do we really need to preview Northwestern? I yes. kind of feel like it's going to be I, depressing to look at. I, I really want to, actually. I really, I really want to. Lenny's still awake. Holy! How smokes. in the world? Wow! He made it through a whole show. All right. Lenny Zabo <laughs> gets gets our Buckeye leaf. Where was that? Put that Buckeye leaf on the side of your helmet, there, Lenny. Now go to bed, buddy. Be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH and sing Carbon, Ohio, with all your heart. Till next time. OH. I owe.